Matthias, let's just take a second to talk about our Patreon channel. Obviously, a lot of people love the show, and we get a lot of messages from people asking us how to uh, support us and help us grow the podcast. Now, Patreon is obviously, without doubt, the best way to do it. It really helps us grow the show, helps us pay people who help us out, helps us you know, keep shining the job, the, the editor behind the scenes. Um, why do you, want to, do you want to just let people know what they get, some of the perks? Yeah, I mean, we offer so many interesting extra things for Patreons. So we, we have a bonus episode, um, we do Q&As, and we're also looking into other ways of like getting um, our Patreon supporters special access to some of my um, very deep and fantastic knowledge and such things. Yeah, you're wanting to introduce some, uh, not one-on-one, but small small group lectures on specific subjects, which I think would be amazing. Patrons would absolutely love that. I would absolutely love that. You know, half an hour topic of you just ranting without me interrupting on a subject <laughs> has to be has to be perfect. You know, who's not going to, to love that? Yeah, yeah. Like things, you know, we talk about on the podcast, maybe like we mentioned something about Viking ships or something that has to do with the mythology and, and people want to know more about that. And then we can like dig deep into that for like 30 minutes in a, in, in a short lecture. I think a lot of people would find that very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, let's not forget anybody who signs up to the Patreon at any level is going to get a bonus episode every week. Um, it's either going to be the story time episode that we do with Jonas Lorenzen which you have to agree with is, is one of the funniest times you must have all week. It is brilliant. He does. It is amazing. Good job. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> it is. And then the other, the other episode, we're still undecided hundred percent on what it, it's going to be, but it looks like it's going to be a conversational type episode where me and Mateus just get a little bit more personal about ourselves, but also we're going to get, let people have the chance to ask questions, Q and a, whether it's about the podcast or about us. And um, you're going to be able to put your question to us through Patreon then we're going to have a, a little bonus episode where we explore those and people get a little bit more interactive with those, which I think would be fun for the, for the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I feel like I'm seeing with our audience is that they really like to be interactive with us. So we're trying to offer as many opportunities on our platform to do that outside of social media otherwise because that, that can get a little little much sometimes <laughs> yeah there we go i mean honestly if you just jump over to uh patreon forward slash naughty mythology podcast you can have a look at all the different tiers we've got there they start from five dollars up to twenty dollars and you can cancel at any point you can try it out for a month listen to the old episodes listen to the old story time episodes cancel if you don't enjoy it and and there we go, but we were more than sure confident that you'll uh, you'll like what you hear. Welcome to the Northern Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everybody. This time we're joined by none other than Alexander Draymond, uh, whom you might know, I hope you know, at least from uh, The Last Kingdom, uh, the Lord of Bevenberg. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. It's really nice to be here. Thank you for joining you know, us. It's been a long time in the making. <laughs> it has we've been trying to do this for like two years now i think yeah <laughs> but we we finally got here that's all that matters well first of all i always listen to the podcast obviously this is the first time that i have visual mm -hmm. and i feel like nobody's ever described you guys to the viewers enough okay <laughs> like, daniel you're sitting on like a throne surrounded by shields yeah I mean, of course. A huge, huge mic. You look pretty dope, man. Thank you very <laughs> much. The image has gone so so small. I can't I can't really see you that well anymore. And Matthias, you are way younger than I imagined. <laughs> no, like every look... time, every time Dali introduces you, it's like Dr. Matthias Nordvik, and <laughs> you just know everything. And I, I should have <laughs> like this like, long beard. <laughs> we're totally the same age, right? No, I, I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm actually much older than you think. 
really? just looks he looks young. He just got I look young. Face. Yes. So you so you do have a big white beard that you just oh, tied with. Yes. Yeah, no, I I I keep it hidden. <laughs> <laughs> and he also has hair as much as you might I, I do actually have hair. This is not to hide my 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 balding or anything like that. <laughs> for the first for the first 75 episodes, he always wore a hat and I just assumed he was bald. But because <laughs> you guys had never met in person before you uh, before you started doing this together? We yeah. still haven't. We still haven't. No way. Yeah, we wow. I mean COVID's kind of like stopped us from, a bitch, from yeah yeah so yeah but this summer this summer the magic will happen but you but you have friendship tattoos already of course so i mean we should do we should we need to get something there's something there i, mean, I feel very left out you guys are totally inked up <laughs> i um i actually have i have i don't know if you can see this but i did this when i was eight years old oh okay yeah oh. just about Nice. <laughs> with some with a with a needle that I disinfected in in a candle and uh, and I just started <laughs> I just started piercing away and thank God it hurt a little bit too much to go too far. <laughs> yeah. So at least you have a little reminder. Do you have any tattoos? Or are you completely? No, that's it. You just saw it. That's the one. <laughs> that's the do one. You, do you class it? Do you class yourself as tattooed? Oh yeah, heavily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, it counts. Self, self done as well. <laughs> All right, let's. I mean, we have to talk about Last Kingdom. I think to to start with, and then we we have a few fun topics. I think we can discuss. Mateus is going to teach us a thing, a thing or two as well as always. Um, but yeah, did you? I, I want to start with like the most obvious question for me is like, did you ever expect the Last Kingdom to get as big as it has? Because it just seems to have, have grown every series bigger and bigger and bigger until the behemoth that, it's, that it is now. Well, I don't... Honestly, it doesn't feel like it is a behemoth. Um, oh, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Stop, stop being so nice and humble. <laughs> well, we, we genuinely, I don't think, ever really had any, uh, any publicity uh, on, a, on a grand scale, you know? So it's all been kind of word of mouth. And, uh, and so it's, it's kind of hard to gauge, especially living in, in Los Angeles where you drive down Sunset and you have a poster up for, for every little show. And it kind of always felt like it's flown a little bit under the radar. Um, it's, it's a difficult question to answer, you know, because you're just there doing your thing. And, and especially, you know, we've just been talking about COVID, like COVID kind of, cuts you off from life so much that you don't really know what's going out there because you, ha- you haven't seen that many people, you know, um, mm-hmm. in the last two years. Uh, I, I'm so excited that it's, that it's grown and that it has the amazing fan base that it has because I think we are truly blessed with an extraordinary fan base. People are so, uh, so loyal and excited and supportive which is really rare i think you know um to to have that buoyancy on social media that that doesn't happen that much you know i i I have not experienced much um mean stuff out there that's great what what actually what do you think drives that like that supportive fan base I oh, I so. want to piggyback on the back of that because that's what my question was going to be as well. Um, okay. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you think it's to do with the the bromance between yourself, Arnas, and Mark? Because that is very prominent online and on social media, and I think it's so relatable and likable. You know, I, 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 think, I think it does have something to do with that. Um, and it's, it's certainly the bromance between us, um, but also between the rest of the cast we we are a very a very tight um group and uh, we just genuinely love each other and i think that must come across oh it does yeah it definitely. i mentioned i mentioned this with us it's very clear on screen as much as it's on social media that you're all genuine genuinely friends and it's so, it is very likable and relatable. And it gets people involved. And particularly when you see, you know, you three doing your, 
little skits that you do on on Instagram or, or wherever. It, it, you, like you kind of each other's ears. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And you all just kind of can't help but but like it and want to see more of it and and support and follow. Um, yeah, I think that has to be one of the successes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's awesome that it's grown into what it is, and uh, it's nearly over now. I I know. I know. How would I mean? How was that? Rapid, because obviously you wrapped up the the final series. That must have been a surreal thing to uh, yeah to go from putting so much time and effort into this thing and all these friendships and it can't be easy. I sure to wrap it up. No, it was it was emotional uh, to say the least for sure. Um, it was wonderful to have this little last part, which was just a, a movie version, like the two hour special, which took a lot less time to shoot. So it was like a, an opportunity to, to see everybody again. Um, well, at least, you know, the, the ones that aren't dead. Um, <laughs> and, um, oh, I feel I, I was going to make a spoil then for the, for the series, but I'm not gonna, um, <laughs> I just realized that maybe not everyone's seen the last series yet. Um, but yeah, I guess that, that's true. You're only there for as long as you're alive. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the show was filled for me, like the making of the show was filled for me with moments where I kind of had to pinch myself and and where I realized that that moment in time was one of the moments that I would remember on my deathbed, you know? It was filled with moments that were just so special and um, and full of heart and, and beauty, uh, if not only because we're in gorgeous locations outside, you know, um, but just with people that, that you're so close to, it was such a, an incredibly special experience. And while we were making it, I think we're all very aware that it was a rare thing and uh, that it's, it's unlikely to happen again. But I think what we all take away from it is that it is possible to work under these circumstances. And it's kind of your job to create these circumstances you know, um, so I'm hoping that everybody is going to go on their way in, in, in their careers with the aim of continuing to work like that and, and continuing to to um, to have as much respect and love around uh, on on a film set or wherever it is that you're going to be working. You know, it's this a, is going to I'm, I'm going to have to ask the question now, are the days of the the. Uh, the obnoxious uh, uh, lead a a character in a show uh, sort of like over now. Like, you know, we always hear those stories about, oh yeah, these particular actors, they hated each other on <laughs> behind the, the scenes. Like are those days over? Is everybody like sort of like coming around to, to much more Dude, I don't, work? <laughs> I don't think they are unfortunately because oh. for some reason people like that keep working. I don't know why they get hired. I certainly wouldn't hire somebody who who behaves like that on a set. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think they're over. Unfortunately, um, sad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would love to hear these kinds of stories about any movie set, really, right? But you know, I think the saddest people in stories like that are the ones who who are doing that because there's just no way they're happy. No way. That's true. Yeah. So uh, did you feel a responsibility as the lead to create that kind of environment for everybody else around? Because um, obviously you are the lead of the show. There's other, there is other big characters in there. But as, as that kind of like that front man, is that kind of a thing that you, a responsibility you felt? Well, yes, I did in a way, but then it didn't feel like a responsibility, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you just uh, you just behave with decency because that's what you do, whether you're the lead or whether you're a day player. And um, I I think uh, I think it's very important that the lead does behave uh, in that way because obviously it it kind of trickles down. But then you know that's also the job of the director and of the producer, and it's kind of you all try to keep the ball in the air. 
Um, and it, it just gives you so much back because of course there are days when you come in and it's, it's tough for physical reasons around you because, because it's, it's, uh, you know, because you haven't slept and, and it's, it's freezing and, uh, you've just fallen in the mud and, you know, you're going to spend the rest of the day just <laughs> freezing your balls off, but. Or, or chipped your tooth, as you told us before the podcast. Or chipped your tooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you you just you just get so much from the people around you um that are there to support you or that give their best you know nothing to do with you that are just there to do a good job and that but they're all into it and you kind of feel like okay well i feel like just checking out now and being a bit short with people and being in my own world um but then when you see somebody else uh who's who's been there the same amount of time than you have, or, you know, gotten up earlier. I mean, look at all the, the supporting artists alone that have worked on our show and that I don't think get enough credit ever because those guys, they're there before everybody else because they have to stand in line and wait until it's their turn to get their costume and to get their hair and makeup done. And um, they drive themselves in the morning and, they spend the whole day out there in the cold and they don't have a, 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 an assigned um, costume person who runs in at the end of every scene to cover them up with a, with a blanket or something, you know, they're, they're just doing their own thing. And those guys don't complain like ever. So if you see that, you kind of feel like, no, you can't just do your mm-hmm. job, you know? Yeah. So do it. I guess one of the other questions I have is what have you ever felt like or do you feel a responsibility to the fan base in that way as well to take time to reach out and speak to people engage with people who listen because obviously that's kind of one of the ways that that we met um and started talking was I made a horn for you and you were very gracious um by far of anybody of like you probably don't like this word um like celebrity status I guess um the the of anybody if of that kind of stature of all the people that I've been looking up to make things for you were by far the most gracious you had a torn ACL and you you wheeled yourself or had yourself wheeled across the Excel Center which is a big place to come and say thank you after the show you took a picture and you know sent it to me via email and helped me with things with the show um and not many people I feel in that position would take the time to do those things to to help somebody out so yeah do you do you feel that responsibility to kind of engage a lot more um that's a really tricky question uh, to be honest because just saying no so world... i feel really special <laughs> <laughs> well again you know like you you gave me a present and um and that was incredibly kind of you like you know uh, so I wanted to come and say thank you. And I, I've, I've felt like that was that was normal. So it didn't feel like a responsibility or a chore at all. Like I was genuinely interested in who is this guy who just gave me a present, which was gorgeous. And uh, and look what came of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the in terms of the, the, the responsibility, you know, in a world of social media, it is, it is such a tricky line to walk in terms of engaging with people and also keeping your privacy. And, and keeping my privacy is, is very important to me, not, not first and foremost for myself, but for my family. I think it's so important for, for uh, the people that don't really have a, a choice in the matter to be protected from public life. And, uh, and at the same time, of course, you know, my career wouldn't exist without, without the fan base. So, of course, yes, I have a responsibility towards that. And, and again, something that doesn't really feel like responsibility is something, you know, that I would, I would, I genuinely have the desire to share as much as possible and and be present as much as possible. But then, um, you know, what, what form does that take? Um, and so I'm still figuring it out, 
to be honest. I don't post a lot on social media. Um, but when I do post, I, I put a lot of time and effort into a post and I, I think about it. I try to, I, I give as much as of, of my heart as I can when I post something. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that is more valuable than posting a picture of my breakfast every morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long debate. But, uh... I, th- I think without a doubt that that your Instagram is one of the the ones that stands out for the fact that you do put so much time into it and you you do kind of without getting too political get it you, you aren't afraid to comment on certain issues that maybe some other people might not want to and it's clearly that you care about it you think about it and you put the time into it and it's not like you say it's not just a case of taking pictures of your breakfast it's genuine kind of care and engagement rather than this flippant thing that you feel that you have to do just to tick a box i guess well and you have to be very um very careful with your choices and then choose your battles i guess because something happens every day where you're like okay these people need help and they really do you know mm-hmm. and and if you post about every thing that happens then you kind of spread yourself thin and i don't think you end up being very effective so uh again when i do post about something that is close to my heart um it doesn't mean that it's the only thing that's close to my heart but you kind of have to make a choice about where to uh where to focus that part of your energy i think mm-hmm. yeah and where you can be where you can be the most effective because you know, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you, you you talk about like celebrity status and, and you know, uh, all of that stuff, like in the scheme of things, um, I'm I'm still a very, a very small player, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I think, I think with the resources that I have, I want to have as much impact as possible. But then it's also about being aware of uh, what resources you do have and, and what can be done with that. Yeah, that's, that's completely interesting. So that, I mean, again, that's one of the things we've kind of bonded on in the past is the same with like Horns of Odin. Again, it's, it's a much smaller scale than, than what you have, even though you're, you know, you're, a, you say you're a, a small fish Then I, you know, like what we do is even smaller, but we still kind of try and pick things that we can help with. It's always been a very, big part of of the business to try and help kind of charitable causes where we have the opportunity to um mm. like you say it's picking it's picking where you can and where you feel you can help the most i guess yeah exactly yeah i mean you you know you know what that's like mm-hmm. yeah absolutely should we should we try to learn some stuff from Mateus? yeah let's let's try let's like <laughs> There's, there's a, well, you you mentioned you had, you uh, we spoke briefly before you had a question about Utrecht and his maybe lack of paying his men right right so we have this running joke with Arnis and, and uh, with Mark um, who play who play Citric Infinite respectively and uh, that Utrecht never pays them he just doesn't pay his guys and every time that they do a job Utrecht's like uh, yeah yeah I'll put that on the I'll put that on the card. Don't worry about it. I got you. But it never <laughs> happened. So I was wondering, Matthias, like how would a lord during that time pay his men? What form or shape would that take if he were inclined to do so, which Utrid was not? <laughs> <laughs> and they're always still so loyal to him. <laughs> yes. Well, so there's this, this uh, moment that we talked about earlier where Utrid says to, to his guys, um, I, I don't have a fortress. I don't have a lot of wealth uh, to give you. But if you do follow me, then what I can give you is reputation. How, how real is that? Okay, so this is a very good question. And also it's a complicated one. And, uh, you know, that is what we say on this podcast is complicated. Um, it's complicated because... <laughs> I just, of... just looking at the comments here. The knowledge wave is coming. <laughs> <laughs> say, they, they know by now what's gonna happen we're just not gonna say anything for the rest of the episode <laughs> so 
So the, the reason that it, this is actually really complicated is because he is a lord without land. So that puts him, you know, in this time period in a, a peculiar role, because on the one hand, he has a he has his own reputation and his family name, which does mean something. It should give him certain rights. Um, and on the other hand, he has been, you know, uh, uh, dethroned, essentially. His, um, uh, his land has been taken from him. So he doesn't have the equity to go with his name, so to speak. And that's why he's, of course, saying this, like, I can't give you land and money. I can give you fame, right? So, so then we have to ask ourselves, well, was that reasonable currency, back in in this time period in northern europe and it definitely was if you were a viking right and this is where it becomes interesting because he's got this you know he's in this like um gray area between uh anglo-saxon and viking right he he's got a little bit of influence from both and and this is where we then see sort of the, the cultural influence of of the uh, uh, the Scandinavian presence in 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 the English area um, in the time, where such things as perhaps reputation start meaning more, and then also become part of of actual currency in a sense. Because what is the next thing after reputation? Well, if you have a reputation, let's say, and this is what we see in the saga literature all over, right? You, you, you're some kind of Icelandic Viking who shows up in Norway and then you're like, I'm son of this and that. And then, then the Norwegian king is like, well, then you're cool, awesome. Um, or or I have heard about you because you, you killed a bunch of people over here and, and waged war on these people over there and so on. So reputation definitely goes a long way in, in Northern Europe in this time period. And I think that's actually a legitimate, um, a legitimate um, thing to offer <laughs> in that mm -hmm. sense. If you, if you band with me, then you're definitely going to become known as some of the biggest, baddest uh, warriors out there. And that in itself is then going to lead to money, essentially. Right. So Makes yeah, sense. absolutely. One of the things that yeah. I, I always loved in uh, Bernard Cornwell's books, which um, is not something that that we could really uh, portray in the series that much, is how Udred would always pretend that he's somebody else. He would always come along right. and be like, yeah, I'm Gustav Gustafsson, uh, son of whatever. And people would be like, oh, wow, no way. And I guess because it was so completely possible during that time, there must have been so many imposters who just made up stories mm -hmm. and paid skulls to write poems about them and, and then became kind of war heroes without ever having seen a shield wall. Oh, yeah, I am sure. I mean, you know, uh, people um, who... who uh, I mean, okay, so let's just dial that one back for a second. So there is a term in Old Norse, which is lugisögur, which literally means lying sagas. That's a thing that they were well aware of back then. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. And and you could see like uh, kings and, and lords, they, they, would, uh, they, they would call it out sometimes and say, oh, that's a great you know yarn you just <laughs> came up with right there um right. so so they were definitely aware of that and if you sort of like when you start uh approaching all of this literature about all of these ancient viking heroes with a little bit of a grain of salt and some critical thinking then you also will quickly realize that most of these stories are more or less made up like even the ones that seem 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 most historically accurate like you can still pick them apart um, in between. All embellished. So, yes, absolutely right. Um, and so, but but then that then becomes the question: We can do that with most literature that has been written throughout the ages, and you can always, you know, you can critically review everything that you have from, say, like the American Civil War, 
and then you can apply a different theoretical perspective or something and then you can say well actually the situation was more of this and this instead of that and that and so on right so there's mm -hmm. always a chance to you know a deconstruct the vision or idea that we have of a certain era right now right um based off of how we approach the source material um as, a, as somebody who teaches about the viking age um it's of course important for me to always highlight to people to be thinking critically about these stories because they're usually being used to like uh prop up the coolness of of, of somebody's family or uh or somebody's country right that's that's usually how this is being used nowadays and um and it's like yeah on on one hand but also on the other hand maybe not so much <laughs> maybe maybe this particular viking that you guys have like statues of everywhere maybe he didn't even exist guys right <laughs> think right, about right. that for a second right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i definitely would have just paid someone to embellish the stories about me <laughs> right uh, with, so without a doubt because because why not it, like you say it would have been so easy to do who's gonna fact check it <laughs> like there's no you, you definitely would have look at you drinking out of a coconut exactly we've got a coconut so that's how it would be i just <laughs> if they hey this would be a human skull if i was embellishing it he drank it from his enemy's skulls exactly the coconut suddenly became a skull so that's that's how these <laughs> things work <laughs> what are you drinking from that coconut by the way coconut water <laughs> <laughs> that's it's just a, it's just a regular coconut <laughs> I was just he was in the shop so um why, why not I, I mean sure whatever he, man he was in the shop the coconut was there he said he actually said genuine coconut on the label as well so it must be a genuine coconut a genuine coconut and he had a had a little um a little poker to make the hole and a straw that came with it so I thought why it was a special occasion Alex you joined us I was like Okay, get the coconut. Thank you. Get the coconut. I love the coconut. Do you want to know a, a weird little factoid about me and uh, and coconut? I hate it in all its forms. I cannot stand coconut, except for one particular type of candy that you can get in Denmark, which is called a bounty bar, which is like a chocolate. Oh, we bar have them like... over here. Yeah. Yeah, I that's the only way I can eat them. When I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not like much that... coconut in there, but oh yeah. no! But yeah. I mean, the chocolate, the chocolate makes the coconut much better. <laughs> it does. <laughs> makes it helps it out. Okay, so everyone in the chat saying I have to explain the coconut, which didn't really want to have to do, but we're gonna have to. <laughs> um, okay, so we, I bought a coconut maybe thirty episodes ago. I can't remember when it was, um, and said that when we reached two hundred patrons that I would do an episode in a coconut bikini because I didn't think we were going to hit 200 patrons. But then we hit 200 patrons and now I have to do the episode in a coconut bikini. So this coconut is going to become um, a coconut bikini for me to do. You, you have How many patrons have you got now? Two, we passed it. So it's like 215, 210, something like that. Okay. And how long ago was that? Um, so I said, when did I, I mean, I said it maybe six months ago. But we were like on 130, so I thought I was safe, right. and I forgot. No, but how, long ago, how long ago did you pass the 200? Oh, um, a couple of weeks ago. But we, couple I was going to try. Okay. I was going to, I was going to try buy one, but apparently it's really difficult to buy a coconut bikini. Didn't think it would be, so I'm going to make one instead. I, I would, I would know how to make myself a coconut bikini at least for the chest part. It gets oh, more yeah. complicated for the bottom part. It's, it's just going to be the top part. I might get a grass skirt for the bottom bit. Really? Might be a, a grass skirt. Hold oh, on, cool hold on. on. Let me just. Alex, let me just... Alex don't get me. Matthias, Matthias, explain, explain to Dan what bikini stands for. Oh, Bye. come on. It's two. I, oh. I, I, I think a bikini is by definition a two-part piece. It is. It is very much a two-part piece. Then. So glad we didn't have this conversation before, because had I known this is how you'd react, <laughs> I would have been talked into doing it on this episode. 
And this episode by far is probably going to be the most watched, and I just don't want that. Hey, so <laughs> I know I would have I would have made a coconut bikini for myself for this episode. Me too, man. I would have oh, been there. down. I mean, that would have been a sight to see, wouldn't it? it was, no, actually. <laughs> Alex, you can't do it with us too, do you? Because you're showing us up. <laughs> and a head of fruit. A head <laughs> of fruit, yeah. <laughs> Did not expect this to happen. Um, the good thing is you are you are sat down. So, I oh man, I'm having so many ideas about this bikini. Like, you don't <laughs> even need to fix it. You can just, you can just, since you're sat, you can just place coconuts on your lap. Okay. There you mean, go. It's risky. I move around it's risky quite a lot. because they could fall down. That's <laughs> do, well, move, then you got to yeah, work I, a little harder. I move uh, make that bottom. It could just fall off. The, the episode could get demonetized because you know things are falling out. We don't want that. <laughs> things are falling out. Yeah, <laughs> we, you could get canceled. We could all sure get canceled. <laughs> yeah, we could yeah, always you, get canceled. We don't want to get you canceled for me flushing everybody. <laughs> That, that that's not i want to want to end your career right there like that <laughs> um yeah I'll, I'll let you know the episode so you can so you can watch it at least oh i i'm definitely gonna need a link to it yeah <laughs> absolutely i'll give you the live link so you can come watch live and Thank join you. in <laughs> <laughs> all right should we talk about something more serious to stop me blushing mateus you want to talk about um, the cultural significance of the Viking invasion in Anglo-Saxon England? That's a, yeah, it's close enough, Is, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so the whole premise of Bernard Cornwell's books, right, and also the, the show The Last Kingdom is, of course, the presence of these Scandinavians in, in, in England, right? Um, and one of the cool things about his books is that he's actually i i feel like he's really good at like getting a feel for how it would have been an interaction between these peoples right because they're very similar in many ways but they're also very different in many ways and that comes out really well in the literature if you ask me that's that's uh that's my personal opinion on it um obviously it's fiction so there's also a bunch of things you can say like oh that that probably wouldn't have happened that way or something like that but you know that's how it always goes when we try to represent the past as we just realized right um but so what what actually did happen right so i mean we have this idea of like the viking age is like a bunch of like uh shield biting psychopaths in a boat that that like you know just sit there and they get get in the boat somewhere in Norway and then they just sit there going like Arg! until they land in England and then they go fighting with swords and then they leave with all the gold and the women and all that stuff. But um, if, there's a couple of things that we first of all should consider and that is that when these Scandinavian incursions start happening, they come as sort of like a new development on basis of a very long period of interaction between the British Isles and the Scandinavian region. Like a lot of trade, for instance. I mean, the English themselves come from Southern Scandinavia and Northern Germany. So, so there's, there's already that link, right? Obviously when England converts to Christianity um, with Mercia being the last uh, part of England to do that, in the 650s, there's there's going there's, there's something happening in in the connections between the English area and Scandinavia. They 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 get a little more complicated because all of a sudden there's a religious difference between these peoples so that probably wasn't that uh, meaningful to talk about before then. Um, and then um, then what we see is. Um, in, if we look at it in terms of archaeology, what we start seeing in the 700s is the, the spread, uh, speaking of payment, the spread of sketas, these uh, coins, English coins. Um, they're being minted in, in the English area, and then they start spreading in a trade network uh, in northern Europe that goes through Scandinavia into the Baltic area. And then we also start seeing 
at different products that are being made in Scandinavia start showing up in, in the English area as well. And so these Viking incursions, they are actually probably responses to the breakdown of some of these trade networks for different reasons. Either somebody's imposing a tax somewhere or we have invasions and then we start seeing Scandinavians or some Scandinavian lord somewhere who has otherwise been like making a lot of money trading with the English is all of a sudden, wait a minute, where's my money? Why, why is there no trade ships going back and forth any longer? Let me assemble an army and go see what's up. And that's how we probably see those first, like Lindisfarne and so on, those uh, attacks on monasteries, right? Because they already know that there's got to be gold there, right? They, they have riches at the monasteries and not a lot of soldiers. Um, so that's an easy target. But then we get to a point in the 800s where we have like literal invasion armies that are moving around in the English area. And what happens in, in the English area? Well, all of a sudden you have this whole new, um, this whole new social and economic dynamics based off of war that's happening. This is why we start seeing, you know, fortified towns all of a sudden again. Um, as uh, we're seeing, um, this is hinted at, uh, or not hinted at, it's like described both in the Last Kingdom. We also see it in Vikings. There's sort of like the, ooh, ooh, the, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> The, a renewed interest in historical literature. <laughs> no, I know. It's a great show. <laughs> it is. I'm just it, kidding. Of course you are. We see, this, we see this. No, I, but, but I, I appreciate the support. <laughs> oh, you've got it. You know. <laughs> I'd only wear a Coke and a bikini for you. Oh. <laughs> and, and the patrons, apparently. Obviously, now I kind of feel like I have to join in when you do. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they would not say no. I mean, I'm oh. sure, I'm sure we'd get a bunch more patrons. If you want to do it, we'll, we'll help us out. <laughs> See, this is one of those moments where you got to decide: is this a worthy cause to <laughs> yeah. invest my time and energy into? It definitely is. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is i mean i feel like this is a turning point for your career right here it's a, it's a fork in the road yeah, and you've no, got it sounds great for the next it. couple of weeks i'm gonna mount a social media campaign for a coconut bikini <laughs> i mean i would I, I would appreciate it but it's on, on your head be it <laughs> <laughs> sorry matthias oh, yeah, what you have fine. to say is way more interesting <laughs> are you sure about that I, i'm pretty sure the, the the fans out there are probably more interested in the coconut bikini <laughs> they really are as well they are very much <laughs> talking about it oh that's Alyssa says you should make it into a charity thing which i guess would be Ooh, uh, now now we're talking any any reason counts just as long as the coconut bikini comes out I've, I mean, I've, I'm already signed up for it. I can't get out of it. I, <laughs> I gave my word, so I'm already in. Well, yeah. And then, you know, because it's this podcast and I'm like part of it too and everything, then I'm also like, I also have to do it. So yeah, this is, see, this is crazy. This is crazy. It goes from Dan having to wear a coconut bikini to everybody else going, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll make one too. <laughs> I'll do two. <laughs> I'll make one too. I'll come yeah. back on the podcast just to wear one. You're not <laughs> the only leader. Actually, around. I'll really want to wear one. You're not the, the only leader around here, Alex. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Mateus, please do carry on and get us out of this hole. <laughs> okay. So, I, I mean, I feel like there's got to be a Monty Python reference in here somewhere with like the swallows, the African swallows carrying coconuts to medieval England, right? Um. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so, so, so next thing that happens is that these, these uh, English lords, they start like fortifying the towns and they start becoming interested in in the old literature, uh, especially like Roman literature about like, for instance, fighting, uh, because they had that, like, that's something that's, um, 
is worth looking into now that we've got a bunch of like bloodthirsty Scandinavians all over the place. Um, we have we have the buildup of towns and and all of a sudden industry um, that that emerges because of this presence of Scandinavians. Um, we also have a bunch of settling Scandinavians that start farming areas uh, across, well, where Dan is, for instance. Um, and, and that has a huge impact on the language as well. That's why like so many words that we use in modern English uh, are like direct loans from Scandinavian at the time. Um, and, um, and, and we see, we see also like minting of coins becoming more and more uh, important in, in demonstrating who rules what place. That's why we always have like somebody's face on a coin, right? And then in turn, all of that stuff starts showing up in Scandinavia. Like the, the Danes, they, they learn, probably learn how to fortify their towns from uh, their experiences with uh, uh, the peoples living along the channel, uh, both in the English area, but also we can see some influence from Belgian um, fortifications from this time period in the 900s in particular. And then what we also see is that uh, those uh, Scandinavian kings, they're like, well, hey, I noticed that over there, this, the, the English king puts his face on a coin. I shall do the same thing. And so that's when we actually see the emergence of like real royal power. So every time you see like a mint in a town in this time period in the Viking age, you, you will know that this is an important royal town that is well fortified and has all the backing of sort of like for that time period, a modern monarchy. So essentially what the Viking Age really is, is like this really dynamic time period in, in Northwestern Europe where the interactions between these different peoples, and of course there's a bunch of other peoples involved too, but especially these, the, the people in the British Isles and the people in Scandinavia drives a whole new social development and societal development and economic development that ends up becoming a positive thing for both of them despite all the fighting so that's an entirely different take on the viking age that i think is quite often forgotten unfortunately that's fascinating mm -hmm. so you know when on tv shows a lot because it feels like in modern modern like viking tv shows there's a much more emphasis on um, like the farming side of things. What do you think the <laughs> right. what, what do you think the balance was with this? Like how much like just raiding and taking versus like we actually just want to come here and be peaceful and farm and everybody get on. Um, or was it like we want to farm and get on after we just kind of can't raid anymore because we maybe got beat or for whatever reason. So it's then it's like oh well, can we just farm? <laughs> we got our asses kicked so yeah it's like yeah yeah like after it's like okay let's just come to an agreement and we'll farm rather than turn because in some you see on some it's like they, it's almost like they turn up and go let's just make an agreement and farm <laughs> well that that's this is actually really really interesting because just as you know if you look at today and and how the sensational stuff sells in the press right i mean even though it was on a much smaller scale, surely throughout history, it's always been the same. Like nobody's going to write a book saying, oh, it's been another great day of farming. Whereas, <laughs> whereas, you know, I mean, wonderful, but you're more likely to write a book about a gruesome battle that just took place. Um, so I'm sure there's so much that's gotten, that's gotten lost, so many aspects of that whole relationship between these different peoples that is just lost because nobody bothered to write it down because they just had a good day. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so, so there are definitely visionaries involved here um, in the Viking age. And we can see Rollo being example, an example of this in Normandy because he, mm. he's like, yeah, I need, I'm going to need some land. And then what we learn, if we read the French sources on him, we learn that that he uh, gets a bunch of Scandinavians to show up 
and then he he partitions land for them um, he uses very specific measurements and um, they use um, wheel plow and and so on so it's like that sounds like a visionary right if that mm-hmm. again we apply the critical perspective here we can always ask ourselves did i did that actually happen or is that sort of you know a later uh historian who is like beefing him up a little bit it probably is to an extent but also why would he lie about you know him you know <laughs> organizing the land that way that that just seems weird sure. that he would lie about that mm-hmm. um and obviously he's not lying about the the fact that there is a considerable presence of scandinavians in normandy we know that from place names and vocabulary and so on um so so what we can see here is that that is an example of somebody who's a visionary who says i i can now take take control over this piece of land and then people that for some reason or other i uh, uh, am tied to they get a piece of this land that i just got control over that is the same in england to an extent right we see this in what is called the dane law Mm-hmm. And historically, the Dane law is a, a again a, a pretty iffy subject because we don't actually know what that law actually meant. We don't see a lot of influence on the local English laws from Scandinavian laws. But on the other hand, our sources to Scandinavian laws are pretty poor at its time period. Um, but is there a vocabulary that's like shared, not really, and so on and so forth. So we actually don't really know what it means that they called that, you know, uh, eastern, northern part of what is now modern day England, Dane law. But we do know that there is considerable presence of Scandinavians. There's a ton of place names, linguistic influence. And we also know that various kings at certain times will invoke you know, the presence of, of these Scandinavians usually cast as Danes, um, but they don't have to necessarily be from the Danish area. They could also be from elsewhere in Scandinavia. Um, they invoke them as, as a problem, right? It's like pretty similar to what we see sometimes with uh, certain political uh, uh, leaning parties that have uh, opinions about immigrants in in Europe to to this day, like similar kind of like, oh, there's like too many of these people over here. That's what we see with the the dynamics between the English and the Scandinavians in the early thousands, for instance, which is why there's St. Bryce's massacre and all that stuff, right? Um, So yeah. where was I going with this, Dan? Thinking about coconuts, I bet. Daydreaming <laughs> <laughs> about coconuts. No, it's 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 this matter of like, well, well, are we actually dealing with like an immigration where these people are coming there because they want to farm better land, and there's probably that's probably part of it to an extent, but we have to ask ourselves what is it that initially like generated a, um, an exodus from these these homelands that they have over there on the other side. And that is something that's still hotly debated. It's also hotly debated whether or not the Viking Age was like generated because there was an exodus of Scandinavians from from Scandinavia. Um, There is something that suggests that there is like a population boom in the Viking Age um, because we see these new um place names in the scandinavian region and also in the uh, english region um the thorpe place names they they mean outlier farms so that's new farms that are being created in the thousands in particular that's when they start and at the same time we have scandinavian showing up over there we have the introduction of the wheel plow in scandinavia which will be better for farming which means that there's more food available, which means that there are more children who survive, which means that there would be probably more people, right? So, so there's like a, a bunch of like different factors that come together. And then all of a sudden you see a bunch of people sit, uh, like basically taking land. But did it start with like some guy 
who was like sitting there on the western coast of Norway going like this this is shitty farmland I I want to go farm someone else and uh, somewhere else and then I have to like fight my way through it I don't think so um that comes later with with some kind of like population um development in the late 900s and early thousands you got there in the end you got there in the end yeah <laughs> well, well i mean they could have probably just like imported some coconuts i don't know uh, maybe i mean i wish they had uh okay alex you said you were happy to do 10 minutes like q a with with kind of the patrons at the end um well, first of all, I feel like I have to thank Matthias, but there's an expression in France, which is je me coucherai moins con ce soir, which translates into I'm going to go to bed a little less dumb tonight. And <laughs> thanks to you, I will. Oh, <laughs> thank I, you. I know for a fact that Sophie, one of our uh, people that helps us out a lot with the show, just died when you spoke French. So <laughs> she, she she's French. And will have absolutely loved that. So you, I guarantee well, you've just made a day. <laughs> I wish I'd said something, something more romantic. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. It's got to be about coconut, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm gonna just fly through. We'll just we'll pick some. There's some serious ones. There's some sillier ones. Let's see. Okay, um, start okay. with the silly one. Okay, Sophie always asks as well, uh, what would your Hogwarts house be? Now, Arnas slipped up and showed that he didn't actually watch Harry Potter. So, are you a Harry Potter fan? Do you Can you pick a house? I have, okay, okay. I have definitely watched it. I'm not a huge fan, not that I don't like it, but um, I just, I don't know. I didn't get into it. Uh, just with drinking, like I never got into it. So here I am digging a hole for myself, comparing watching Harry Potter to being an alcoholic. And I think uh, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, okay, there we go. I feel like okay, okay. give me the choices. There's Gryffindor, there is- um, Slytherin. Slytherin, they're the evil ones. You're not, you're not one of them. Um, the... There's Hufflepuff, I think. Hufflepuff. Um, Hufflepuff sounds like a cereal brand. Yes. Um, and it sounds like you'd be eating a lot of cookies That's and the goofy cakes ones, and right? maybe Hufflepuff is the one. What else Raven is there? Does. And Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Uh, Ravenclaw sounds badass. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Without being evil. Yeah. Let's just make I feel like own. you'd be Ravenclaw, Dan. We'll Without make our being own evil. Hogwarts house. Yeah. The Cooketeers. There you go. <laughs> well, the Cooketeers... <laughs> I don't know. I tried to come, <laughs> tried to come up with it on the fly. That's the best. I like that. That's, that's the best it. I had with this, the, the millisecond. That's the best my the brain could come up with in that short. moment. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> fuck's sake. Um, all right. Where was the toughest place to film? Hold on. Where's the toughest place to film? Yeah, I think they mean geographically, like weather-wise, um, perhaps. F filming a battle in the in the snow is pretty tough because you start at the beginning of the day and you're in this gorgeous snow covered field and there's like 200 people walking around in the field and after about an hour the whole field is turned into mud and then you start shooting and undoubtedly you go down at some point because you're filming a battle and then you're wet and then you're just cold there's nothing to heat you up um that's that's a shitty place to film but it's also fun bit of bit of mud wrestling oh mud wrestling coconut bikinis what an episode <laughs> oh in <laughs> the would, snow. no no everybody okay, get that okay. i see a plot for me when when we reach we're, we're we're getting somewhere <laughs> if we hit 500 patrons then we'll mud wrestle and Alex has come in. So <laughs> we're gonna meet. It's gonna be us three. And uh when Dan, it, like, you're like cool. you're like halfway to five hundred. What are these things you promise to people? Yeah, man, like halfway to five hundred patrons. I, That's not gonna take that long. I like to give back to the people, obviously. I'm a giver. <laughs> 
Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. I'm just gonna pick. I'm gonna pick different ones. Um, oh, I can't. I can't ask what animal you'd fight. But <laughs> uh, what's I'd the? A, oh, I forgot. I'd fight, a I'd fight a puppy. No, with big, puppy. big puppy eyes. Why? Why would I say I'd fight a tiger or a lion? No, I'd fight a puppy. I'd fight. Fight with cuddles. That's what I'd do. Just oh, all the love. Uh, all right, Alyssa asked, how did you get into acting? Oh, um, how did I get into acting? I, uh, I made little home videos with my cousin reenacting scenes from, uh, from movies that we liked. I, I need to see these. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, need, I need to find them. They, they're somewhere and they could definitely end my career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then uh i i loved uh i loved shakespeare when i was in high school um and it kind of i don't know i kind of just always knew that uh, that's what i wanted to do i guess naively i just thought that that was possible and thank god i i didn't think about it too much <laughs> what so what would you have been if you weren't an actor do you um, there was else? the point where I was seriously interested in in architecture. Oh, cool! Always, always loved architecture. Yeah, uh, and and I I think you know that's that's something realistic. I obviously also wanted to be an astronaut at one point and a surgeon. I thought about being a surgeon. My brother is a, a trauma surgeon now, um, but my dad's a doctor uh, and, and my stepmom's a, a doctor and uh, she took me to see an open heart surgery one day and that was um, the day where I knew I was not going to be a surgeon <laughs> fair enough I mean what a what a family <laughs> very talented family you've got there uh, um, alright what's your favourite hobby oh I guess do you have any like things you particularly like to do in the downtime my favorite hobby that feels like it feels like it should be followed with what's your favorite color what's your favorite furry animal mm. oh God, what's your favorite, favorite hobby <laughs> i mean we've got to get down to the nitty-gritty here we're, we're asking the hard yeah questions. give me give me some give me some give me some tough questions give me some nasty questions i don't i don't think anyone can be oh okay yeah that's one T, team dane which is mateus or Team Saxon, which is me, who do you like better? And the answer is only me. What are, you, what are you guys wearing? What are you guys wearing? Give me the picture. Oh, if we were fat, coconut bikini, of course. <laughs> coconut bikini. Of course. What? <laughs> there was only one answer to that question. And a fruit hat for me. <laughs> we're going to have to have a fruit hat. <laughs> can, we, can we all get together? Can we, yeah. can we fight it out? Let's fight oh, it out. Sure. Get in okay. mind. Yes, I, that's what we're gonna have to do. That's, that's the only way to. Okay. That's the only way to Next solve question. any argument. Um, was you interested, or were you interested in this subject before being cast as Uhtred? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I was interested in, in I was interested in, in Vikings. I was interested in pirates. Very much interested in pirates. When I was a, a kid in kindergarten, I. Uh, my favorite t-shirt was a t-shirt with a pirate on it. And um, I remember going to, going to kindergarten the first day wearing that t-shirt. And I was so excited and so proud to be wearing it. And then I got beat up for wearing a pirate t-shirt. I never really understood why. Because kids but are dicks. Kid, kids suck just sometimes. Tanks, yeah. They just suck. <laughs> but look at you now. Look at you now, eh? Now we have yeah. the last laugh. They should have had a fucking pirate t-shirt. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That was the move. Pirates are pretty cool. I mean, like, they just think about what they did in the Caribbean. Like, Pirates of the Caribbean, not the, the movie, but the, 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 the actual ones. They were like, mm. screw this. Let's make a republic. Long before anybody made a republic. Like, that happened. So, yeah. pirates are pretty okay. cool. Yeah. Did you did you guys see that show? Um, that show uh, that Taika did. Um, uh, what's it called? Our flag means death. No, no. It's so Maybe good. It it's so much fun. It's yeah. so much fun. Okay, it's really it's really camp. 
but so much fun. One of my favorite feel good shows that I've seen <laughs> in the last couple of months. Definitely going to have to check that out. Yeah. Um, all right. Last, last one. And then we'll wrap it up. Um, Kevin wanted to know about the accent that you use for the show. Like, did you, did you come up with that? Did you choose it? Was it, did you, or did they tell you to, and can we get like a little bit of destiny is all to finish the wrap up? Of course you, of course you can. Um, yeah. So the accent was something that we wanted Utrecht to have a, a different accent to, to everybody else because he was kind of between two camps and the idea was to, to use like a British base uh, and then with a, with a Scandinavian twist to it. It's a totally made up accent. And I think a lot of the intonations and, and the, the, the kind of melody of it is something that evolved organically. Uh, I lived in, in Switzerland for a while when I was growing up and there is like a natural sort of melody to that language. And I think some of that just made sense to, to marry into it, but um, yeah, it's a made up accent and destiny is all. Okay. Okay. Let me give you the spiel. Um, I am Utrecht, son of Utrecht. Destiny is all. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Wonderful. That, that, that's all we need. Um, all right, Alex, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to, to join us. I know you're a, a busy man. If, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rain, positive review. If you want to get on the bandwagon of the Coconut Bikini, pop over to Non-Audio Mythology Podcast on Patreon. You can help support us for literally the price of a cup of coffee for me, I'm Mateus, um, once a month. That's it. We've just employed somebody to do our social media for us. We're going to start putting out a load of TikTok videos. Instagram videos and really try and take this to the to the next level. Get those TikTok chase those coconut bikinis. Yeah, totally going to be dancing in coconut bikinis. Nice. You know, you got to do what you got to do, Alex. These days, <laughs> go stay, stay, stay present. Yeah, obviously, everyone knows already where to find you, Mateus. Where can people find? And yourself yeah, just put in my name the on mud instagram pit. in the mud pit yes put my name in um uh, in an instagram and you'll find my my weird instagram account um that's where you can find me uh thank you so much for joining us alex this was so much fun <laughs> it was really fun I, I had a great time um and let's do it again yeah absolutely you're welcome back anytime hopefully it's not two years um next time <laughs> But yeah, hopefully around when the around the movie, let's try set something up and yeah, get some sounds good. cool. Some cool. Let's let's sauce. talk. Let's talk about the Battle of uh, Runenburg. Oh yeah, yes. absolutely. Right subject. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Runenburg. Perfect. Yeah. There, thank you very much. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. It was really nice to be there. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.